All right, good morning. You know it's a new sermon series because we have a new video, all right? And none other than the theme, one of the themes from Charlie Brown, all right? I was going to choose, by the way, just so you'll know how this all happens, we were going to, I was going to choose the music from a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. You know, there's Charlie Brown Christmas, there's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and there was a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and there's a theme, and I said, ain't nobody going to know this song. This, y'all recognize that one? Yeah, yeah, sure. So there you go. So at least you just recognize that. Now you're probably going, so strange Thanksgivings, what is that all about? Well, we're going to take over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at different circumstances and the way God works in some areas in the Bible, some stories from the Bible, how that is different and how it's difficult even, but there's a reason to give God thanks. I, I, I will tell you that, that one's called Jailhouse Rock. And, and my favorite of the series is called Four Guys, Burgers, and Fries. Yeah, that, doesn't that sound like something spiritually enriching? You need to come here, Four Guys, Burgers, and Fries, all right? But today, you know, we want to talk about, you think about um, Thanksgiving, strange or not, you think about Thanksgiving and you think about, you know, being thankful, and you think about over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go because the horse knows the way to carry the sleigh as over the hills we go. Oh, and you think about food. Now, what you don't know, and by the way, I'm up earlier and I've been told to preach shorter because something's going on and I know it involves food. So praise God. It's going to be a great day at Dorisville. So anyway, so, so, so here's the deal. What y'all don't know about me, and there's a lot you don't know about me, even though you've known me for several years, is I am really quite the cooker. I am quite the chef. Now, mainly it's breakfast foods, but I have mastered several things that I do very, very well. Um, for instance, grits. I know, but here's the deal. I figured it out. It took me a while. You go into the pantry, and you get this little packet. You bring the packet to the, to the counter by the sink. You get a bowl, and you dump the little grits into the bowl. You get a drawer. You go to the drawer, and you get a half cup of water thinger. And you dump a half a cup of water, you stir it up pretty good, you take it to the microwave for one minute and 20 seconds. Now, if you want to get fancy, because again, sometimes you can be a chef, you put that laughing cow cheese in it and bacon bits, I'll shoot that thing. Tell you what. See, you didn't know I could cook. I know y'all say, oh, you're like totally dependent on Judy, you can't cook. Oh, yeah. And that ain't all. That ain't all. I can cook oatmeal. It's even easier. You take it, you go to the pantry, get the little pack, you go back to the kitchen. Does this sound familiar? You rip the packet open, you put the, the, the oats in the bowl, you get the same half cup that you use for the grits, you dump the half cup of water in there, you go to the microwave, 90 seconds, and ta-da, you've got oats. It's amazing. I even can cook fake eggs. Yeah, You know that stuff that has no cholesterol, no fat, no nothing? It comes in a bottle and they color it yellow? Yeah, you, you guess what you do? Yeah, you go to the counter and you get a bowl. You get that stuff out of the refrigerator. You dump it in. You put a half a cup of eggs in there. You stir it up real good. And every once in a while, you, you stir it. 90 seconds and ta-da, you've got eggs. See, I can cook. I know the recipe. And here's what I figured out. For this series to halfway make sense, we had to go into God's kitchen and get a recipe so we can how, how we can have grateful hearts. Because how do you have a thankful heart, particularly when it's difficult? And what I found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is a recipe for God to give us a grateful heart, to, to lay the groundwork for a grateful heart. 
Now, the amazing thing, let me just give you a couple things. These are incredibly short verses, and they're, every one of them is a command. So keep that thought in your mind. Every one of them is a command. God tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says this one is that we've got to rejoice always. We're going to talk about that. Then he says we need to pray without ceasing. We're going to talk about that. And then he says, and this is the, the hard one, in everything, give thanks. In all circumstance, give thanks. And we're going to talk about that. And when, and when we are filled with joy, and when we pray without ceasing, and when we learn to have a thankful heart, it radically changes who we are as people. And it makes us more appealing to the people out there who say, I don't know about this church thing. I'd like to know more, but I see so many Christians, and I'm not sure. You know, did you know the stomach flu is going around? Yeah, at least three people I've said, I am not shaking your hand. You just look like you've got stomach flu. You know? Oh, yeah, I just, you know, you know, excuse me if I don't, you know. Yeah, it's going around. So, so it's, you know, sometimes Christianity, it's kind of like the stomach flu. Everybody goes, oh, I'm not sure I want that. How do we have the kind of faith that, and, and the actions that people go, oh, I want some of that. We find that out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll start reading in verse number 16. Two words. This is one you can memorize. Rejoice always. Stay with me. Rejoice always. That is the shortest. Now, now, the shortest English verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. But in the Greek language, the shortest is rejoice always. And, and it really, that's what it is. It says in this version of the, of the Bible, rejoice, but really it is rejoice, have joy always. God wants us to have joy. Now, keep in mind, it is a command. God commands us to be joyful. Now, now, don't get all wigged out going, huh, what? I, I don't know about that. You know, the good news is we don't have to manufacture it. The Bible teaches us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says that there are certain fruit of the Spirit. And, and there's nine things that we have because we have the Holy Spirit. And the first one is love. And the second one is joy. See, it's kind of like this. When we got saved, when we became Jesus followers, then we got these nine fruit, and one of them is love. And you say, Dwayne, you don't understand. I can't love my husband. Dwayne, you don't understand. I can't, I can't love you. Dwayne, I, I just have a hard time loving people. It's difficult. The good news is, you don't have to manufacture it. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a Jesus follower, you have love in you. And guess what? If you are a Jesus follower... You've got joy in you. It's kind of like a faucet, though. You know, you can have all the water in the world, but if you don't turn the faucet on, the water ain't coming out. It's the same way. We've got to be a conduit. And use that word, I think, Brent, today. You know, we become a, a flow, a trough of the love of God. It's a choice that we make. Listen, it's not that you can't love. It's that you won't love. Because when you got Jesus, you got a big old dose of love inside of you. And we have the option then to choose to love people, even ones who are really difficult to love. Amen? Do you believe that today? So we can love. And we can have joy. Now, here's what's cool about joy. Joy does not depend on our circumstances. Joy does not depend. Now, happiness does. I mean, you know, if things are going really, really good, we can be happy. Okay, but if things are not going well, we will be unhappy. But as a Christ follower with joy inside of us, it is no way dependent on our circumstances. You know what it's dependent on? What Christ has done for us. You know, I, I had the opportunity of sharing 
Boy, I don't know how many times, probably 20 times, uh, the story of the two roads and the story of the gospel this week during Judgment House. And I shared over and over again how that the broad road was easy and it was broad and there's a lot of people on it, but the end is not good. And I shared about how the narrow road was difficult, Jesus said, and fewer people find it, but the end result was a place called heaven and how good that that was. And, and as followers of Christ, he wants us to have not only a good end, but a life here that's filled with joy. And he has done so much for us. Would you say amen? When we think about this cross, when we think about the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sinless and perfect, died on a cross, becoming sin, enduring the wrath of God. And I told the people this we, you know, night after night, presentation after presentation. I said, do you know why? I said, do you know why he allowed his body to be ripped up? Do you know why that he endured the wrath of his father? Do you understand why he literally you know, experienced the, the, the separation from God his father? Because he loved us. And that is a reason to be joyful. Even when life goes difficult, joy is a good thing. It's a commanded thing. And it's a great thing. Let, let me share with you a scripture. It's from, it's from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 13. Here's what it says. Now, this, this is like way powerful. As the Father loved me. Now, how much do you think the Father loved the Son? What, did he love him a little bit? How about, how, about, how about my arms aren't long enough? How, how about that, okay? So, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Now, think about that. There's someone sitting on the sound of my voice, maybe on the radio, and maybe in this room you're going, you feel so in love, you don't feel, you don't feel like you, know, you matter to anyone. And I don't know, you know, I keep telling people, you know, I was gone 11 days to Africa. Then I was home with Judy for about six days, and she left. And, well, it's not like she left me. <laughs> I want to make that clear to the folks on the radio. Uh, but she went to Georgia because, supposedly, Sarah's pregnant. <laughs> I'm starting to doubt this. I think it was all a big ploy to get Mama to come to Georgia. Oh, I know the evidence. I know the evidence, but I'm not so sure it's not a pillow. But anyway, so, so the bottom line is, you know, Gene and I have seen each other uh, five days in the last, like, 18 days. And can I just be honest with you? I'm getting a little lonely. Like, oh, yeah, this, I'm not, I don't need pity. I'm just telling you the truth. I go home to that house, and I'm talking to myself. I mean, people think I'm nuts. If you walk by my house, you're saying, well, they're having a nice conversation. Yeah, it's me and God or somebody. We're talking. It's lonely. And, and you may feel that way. You say, no, no, I don't matter to anyone. Oh, oh, oh. Contraire. You matter to God. Because as speaking to Christ followers, and by the way, if you haven't followed Christ yet, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You have the opportunity to experience that God's love. But if you're a Christ follower today, in the same way, now get this now. Don't, don't let this go over your head. As the same way the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loves us. Now, that's worth the price of admission today. And then he goes on and says this. He says, now abide, bask, rest in that love. He goes on and says this. If you keep my commandments, see, y'all thought the rules were just rules for the sake of rules. No, no, no. He says, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. You will bask in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in His love. And here's where it ties in. 
These things I have spoken to you. The fact that, that the Father loves me and I love you. And if you will follow my commands, you will bask in that love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. It's not circumstances. It's not if you've got a good boss. It's not if your kids turn out right with perfect teeth. It's the fact that if you are a Christ follower, Jesus loved you enough to die for you. He has, he has through his blood, paid the price of your sin. You are forgiven. You are in fellowship and you are in relationship with the living creator God of the universe. And nothing Satan throws your way can change that. Wow. That's pretty cool. So Paul says, because of all that, rejoice always. But I, I wrestle with that. You don't understand. You know, I probably don't. I figured out a long time ago, my life is too good. I, I see what some of you guys you know, go through in life, and it's hard. But for some reason, my life is pretty good. I don't understand. But, but let, me, let me show you something. In the book of Hebrews, and again, we're not sure who wrote Hebrews, but, but in Hebrews chapter 2, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, here's what it says. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and then sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Let me kind of break that down for you. The author of Hebrews says this. Keep your eyes on Jesus as an example. If you're a Christ follower, keep your eyes on Jesus as an example. And here it is. That he had joy. Even though he faced the cross, even though, even though nails were going to be driven through his hands and through his feet, his, slide, his side was going to be split open, a crown of thorns was going to be pressed down his head, and they, he received multiple lashes from a whip that literally ripped away the flesh and broke the bones. He endured the cross, and he despised the shame. We don't like to talk about it, but the truth is... 99% sure Jesus was a stark naked before the world when they crucified him. We put a loincloth on? Probably not. And not only that, the God's Son, Holy God, becoming sin on the cross, the Father turning his back on his Son. All that shame. Dwayne, how did he do that? For the joy that set, was set before him. What does that mean, Dwayne? That means. While he was on the cross, that means while he was agonizing in the garden, he looked beyond that to a time he would be back with the Father in heaven. Brothers and sisters, hear me. This is not all there is. Come on now. This is not all there is. There's a whole bunch more coming. This is not home. This is a way station. This is preparation for eternity in a place called heaven. As we talked last week, there's no sickness, there's no sorrow, there's no pain. It's not hope so you old people came up with it. It is a biblical fact that heaven's real. And people who follow Jesus, not perfect people, not good people, people who follow Christ, who believe in Christ, will spend eternity in this place called heaven. So, so, so Jesus would say, and Paul would say, you can have joy because it may be hard there, but there's coming a better day. Amen? Amen. Now, there's two things I want. Here's two extras. This is like 
when you go to the restaurant. See, we're having food today. It's a lot of food illustrations. Okay? So, so this is like when you go to the restaurant. In fact, hang on to your britches. Last week, I think it was, Terry Guest bought my lunch. Oh, listen. No, no, no. I watched it. He went to the cash register, pulled out a $20 bill, and the dude on the bill was blinking from the light. He's gone. I'm telling you. And the man said this, do you want dessert? And I said, I don't know, Terry, I'm pretty full. Oh, come on, he says. Well, I'm not too hard to convince. So we had, Terry, well, that was pecan pie cobbler, wasn't it? We had that pecan pie, pecan pie cobbler. And you know what that waitress said? Would you like ice cream on that? You know. Yeah, come on with it. And boy, it was just, it was, it was the extra. It was, it was awesome, went to a new level. Well, God's command is have joy because, listen, listen, it, it glorifies God. Our Savior set the example, but there are some personal benefits. There's a great verse found in the book of Proverbs 17, 22. Listen, you need this. A joyful heart, a joyful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. You need to know that. There's a personal benefit for joy in your heart being lived out. It's good medicine. Come on now, talk to me. It's good medicine. When we allow that gooky gunk to get in our hearts and we don't have joy, it's heart disease. And it sours us and, and it makes life not as pleasant as it could be, you know, with Jesus Christ. But when we have joy, it's a good medicine for us. It cures the dry bones. So that's a good benefit. You, listen, you will be a better mom. You'll be a better dad. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better Christ follower. You'll be a better neighbor if joy is lived out in your life. Amen? It just is. You know, the old saying is, if mama ain't happy, there ain't no, hap- no one happy. Happy wife, happy life. Boys, y'all need to learn this. You need to do everything you can to help your wife have a joyful heart. And let's just be honest, ladies. You need to help your husband out too. Help him live out that joy. So there's a benefit for us. And Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When, when we are experiencing the joy of God, remember now, it doesn't depend on circumstances. In fact, the church at Thessalonica was going through really hard times. The church that he's writing to is suffering. And he tells them to rejoice. The joy of the Lord is our strength in this world. And then he says this. He says, we shouldn't stop there, that we should go ahead, then we should be praying. Without ceasing. Again, a command. Did you notice something, by the way? Rejoice how often? Always. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Prayer is just so important. Prayer is just so important. I love the fact that the word without ceasing there in the Greek is the same word that the Greeks used to describe a hacking cough. You ever had that tickle in your throat? In the same way that tickle makes you want to 
The Bible says we are to pray in that same way. There should be a trigger in us that causes us want to pray. Now listen, listen. We should pray corporately. And I was pondering. I said, you know, that's probably one thing as a corporate body we probably need to do more of. We pray in the opening. We pray over the offering. And we pray at the end. But, but that's probably just something we need to do more of. We pray perhaps more corporately. And then there's that prayer privately. There's that prayer when you have that time and, and you're focused. I, you know, I, I know some of y'all pray when you drive, and that's fine, that's good. But still, you're, you know, it's kind of like talking on the phone, you're distracted. So, so Paul says we need to pray without ceasing, and sometimes that's private. But what he has in mind here, he was a busy missionary guy. He wasn't talking about in your closet, on your knees, or in your chair, or flat out before God. He was talking about continuously praying as you journey through life. Now, about eight weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I started walking again. And really as a time deal, I said, I'll tell you what, I will pray as I walk. Okay? And I do. And I pray out loud. So if you get any reports of your pastor walking in the park, doing this and talking to no one who's there, I'm praying. That is the illustration of what Paul's talking about. He's talking about, as we go through life, simple prayers. You ought to have, we ought to have corporate prayer. You ought to have a private prayer. But you should be a people, as Christ followers, you should be a people that pray every day. Can I illustrate it for you? You know, I told someone the other day, there are two lies that are told in church. Regularly. First one is this. How are you? I'm fine. Your heart's broken. You've lost your job. You don't know where the next meal's coming from. Someone just stamped on top of your feelings. How are you? I'm fine. Not. And the second one is this. And it's not intentional, but it happens. Would you pray for me? Yes, I will. And then, because we don't write it down or something, right over our head. True example. Someone walked up to me today and said, would you pray for my son? I said, what's going on? And she explained what was going on. And I said, I will pray with, for you. I'll pray for him, actually. So I go upstairs, and Andy Sammy was talking on the video, and I sat down in my Sunday school class, and guess what happened? It was probably prompted by the Holy Spirit. I don't know that. All I know is I said, out, not out loud this time, okay, God, I said I would pray for him. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I lift him up. Did that prayer count? Absolutely. That's what, when Paul says, pray without ceasing, that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about, as you go through life, simple prayers. You don't have to declare the full majesty of God for it to be a valid prayer. Laugh at me if you want, but one of my prayers every day is when I put my contact in my eye. Just telling you. What do I, I had a hard time when I started doing this. I mean, it's so hard, Judy did it for a year. And one day I got my courage up. And I said, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I stuck my finger in my eye and it worked. And I said, thank you, Lord. And look at me in the eye. I'm not making this up. Every day when my finger goes in my eye, I say, thank you, God. 
We're helping you. Is that valid? Absolutely. So when your child is struggling in school, whisper a prayer. When, when your husband's not normal, when, and you say, well, he's never been normal. I know that. Don't bring that up. But when, he, when he's struggling, when you say, just whisper a prayer. When, when one of the pastors, whisper a prayer. That's what Paul had in mind. And there's such power in this. Listen, listen real quick to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be a person of prayer as you journey through. And you know what? There's a couple of good things about that. Something we really don't think about. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse number 1, He said, he told them a story. He told them a parable that they should remember to pray always and not be discouraged. Guess what prayer does for you? It keeps you from being discouraged. It keeps you from being discouraged. When I stop and think, and when you stop and think, that the real creator God, of the universe listens when you talk to him that's encouraging ladies 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 my husband never listens he never talks to me i've got a better deal than that the god of the universe that audience of one waits to hear from you and it can be as short as two words you hear a great prayer oops i think it's three God, help me. Ever prayed that prayer? You feel like you're failing as a mom? Feel like you're failing as a husband? Worried about the future? God, help me. What a wonderfully powerful prayer. So prayer will help us not to be discouraged. And prayer will help us with temptation because Jesus said in the book of Matthew, in the gospel of Matthew, when the boys were sleeping, he came and said, guys, guys, wake up. Remember, I asked you to pray. Wake up. You should pray that you will not enter into temptation. Prayer helps us stay away from temptation. Prayer's a good deal. Prayer's good. And so much more, again, than that quiet time. It's a daily thing we can do just like we breathe, we can pray. I'm telling you, look at your pastor. Give it a try. See if it doesn't radically change your relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And the last thing is this. Shorter, David. We're doing good. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, you know what that means? It means to give thanks in all circumstances. When we come to a point where we can give thanks in all circumstances, we are telling God, I trust you. I trust you. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? I mean, it's small. It's petty. It's selfish. But the other night, we got done with Judgment House. It's about 10, maybe 10, 20, 25 when I got home. Is that morning that there was a frost? Y'all remember that? And we had these huge plants that we had drug into the garage so they wouldn't die. And then we drug them out so they might live. And they were sitting out there. And Judy's not home. 
I could say, forgot the plants. May they rest in peace. <laughs> my conscience wouldn't let me do that. So I got my new 800-pound capacity hand truck that we bought to move the plants in and out so they wouldn't die and they wouldn't live. And I take one of them, the heaviest one, and I nudge the pot and I put the thing, the hand truck, under it and I start pulling back and it reached that magical point where instead of wanting to go that way, it decided to go this way. Ever been there? Yeah, smack me in the face. Ask me if I felt thankful. It's still there. See me after church. I'll show you the wound. Blood and everything. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful. But you know what? God's still God. Amen? God's still God. When it's difficult, when it's hard. Again, He doesn't say, be thankful for everything. He wasn't up in heaven going, thank me for the hand truck. You know, evil comes in the world. We're not saying, God, thank you for the evil, because he doesn't do evil. But we can give thanks in everything. And every time we do, we declare we trust God. That's why this is important. You know, I call it the manna effect. Every time the, the children of Israel went out to the desert and they bent down and picked up that food from heaven that God was giving them every day, he, they picked that up. It's the man effect was God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. You remember that from Elijah? God is good. God is faithful. And God can be trusted. And when we learn to give thanks in all things, we say it and we believe it. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Guess what I taught the Africans in a clapboard church where you can see through the holes. And they didn't have a food problem, but there were health issues, and life was a lot harder than it is here. And you know I told them that God was good. Come on, children. That God is faithful. And that God can be trusted. And when we learn to be thankful in all things. The reason I chose the ESV is because it used the word circumstance. Give thanks in all circumstances. The reason I chose that. Because it teaches me to trust God. You know, some of the things Andy was saying this morning were really difficult for me as an old man to listen to. I heard him loud and clear that God is a personal God and God loves us and God can be trusted. Even though we sometimes don't understand, God can be trusted. It's Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. All things work... Now, that doesn't mean all things are good. Don't let someone, don't let someone mess your head up. It doesn't mean all things are good because they're not. But all things work for good for those who love God. For those who are the call according to who? His purpose. His purpose. And I promise you this. Big game changer in your Christian walk. Big game changer. When we can learn that God can be trusted, that God is good, that God is faithful, and God can be trusted. And we learn to give 
thanks in all circumstances, not, not, just not for the circumstances, but in the circumstances, our faith will explode. And God will become so much more real. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Almost done. Then there's this last part of verse 18. And it was a split decision, but the majority said this. I always connected this. Here's how I would read this verse. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that's correct. But a majority of the material I read makes it clear that the for this is the will of God thing applies to rejoicing and praying and giving thanks. Not just giving thanks. In other words, you sit there and you go, Dwayne, what is God's will for my life? Well, I don't have the whole big picture. But I can tell you this, look. It is God's will that we be joyful. It is God's will that we pray habitually and as we journey through life. And it's God's will that we have a thankful heart. Now, here in America... There's some pastor who'll sell you a bill of goods that says, if you're a Christ follower, you never get sick, you never lose your job, never, never, never. Again, the only problem is I can't find that in the Bible. I remind you that one dude was a betrayer, one guy died of old age, and the rest of them were martyrs. Not one of them drove a BMW. Not one of them became wealthy because of the gospel. They all suffered for the cause of Christ. What did Jesus say about the narrow road? It is what? You remember? It's difficult. Because this isn't home. But it, it will be worth it all. But this is not home. The, I'm, David! He died on the cross for us, dude. What more does he have to do that God became flesh and died on a cross? What more could he do? Everything else is ice cream. Everything else is a topping. You can't overstate the love of God on that cross. It's enough so we should be joyful. It's enough that we should trust him in our prayers. It's enough. That we should be thankful in all our circumstances. Amen? Now, 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 over the next three weeks, and maybe four, we're going to look at different stories in the Bible that were, some of them were really hard, and yet God was faithful. And it's going to help us learn that God is good, that God is faithful, that God can be trusted. And if we allow it to, it's going to change us in the process. Are you ready for that journey? I mean, I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And we're going to bring it to a new level with our appreciation for the God that we serve. Would you bow your heads right there? Now, if you're here today, you heard enough of a new, perhaps what might be a new truth to you, that heaven is not about um, perfect people. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about being religious. It's about what happened on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago. You know, the Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous, not even one. Not even one. And that the wages of sin was death. And someone died for our sins. And that was Jesus Christ. 
And this morning, this morning, my friend Brent will be standing down front. And it's the same story I told this week, that Brother Ron shared over and over again, that Jesus loved us enough to die. If we will put our faith and trust in him and choose to follow him, turning from our sin and choose to follow him, that we could have a relationship to the living God. If that's something you just feel, you can't describe it probably, and I'm having a hard time, but there's a pull. There's something about that that goes, wait a minute, that's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been looking for. Well, actually, God's been looking for you. And he's pulling you today to his son, Jesus. Come down and tell Brent. Brent, I want to know how I can be, have a relationship with this great God that Brother Dwayne talked about today. And we'd love to share with you. And brothers and sisters, I, I want to I issue a challenge to you. Over the next three or four weeks, as we look forward to Thanksgiving and the holidays, would you make a commitment? It's pretty bold, I know. You don't need to make commitments. But would you make a commitment to maybe make a note? If you have a prayer list, add them to your prayer list. Maybe put a sticker on the mirror, those three things. God, during these coming weeks, speak to me about my joy. May I be a joyful person, a joy-filled person. Knowing I can't manufacture it, but I can let it go. Would you make a commitment to up your prayer life? To short and simple? Don't leave out the quiet time if you're doing that. But would you be willing to look for instances where you can pray? You're, you're driving down the road and Joe pops into your mind and you say, God, I know what Joe's going through, but would you pray? I pray for him today. Would you do that? Your teacher's up teaching and boy, something speaks and the student goes, Lord, would you touch my teacher's life? You see somebody walking around the lake and you say, God, would you touch that person's life today? As God leads you, would you up your prayer life to a daily walk of prayer? And then the hard one. Would you be willing to trust God during the coming month as we look at examples in the Bible? Are you willing to trust God? Say, God, I know you're good. I know you're faithful and you can be trusted. Make me, help me be thankful. In every circumstance, help me to trust you. If we can pray with you about that, the altar will be open this morning. So God, we do want to thank you for this week. There were mountaintops and there were valleys and everything in between. But one thing is obvious, you were God. You are God and you are God. And you're good at being God. Thank you for that. So, Father, for my friends here this morning who may not know you yet, perhaps listening on the radio, who do not know you yet, we pray right now that you would draw them to your son, Jesus Christ. And then, God, for we who are Christ followers, Father, help us joyful, prayerful, thankful. Joyful, prayerful, thankful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.